Okay, we're learning Daf Pechas. So let's start again, just a running start here. Mishnah Pezayin Amad Bez. The Mishnah says, A person uh, was aware that his wife or his daughter made a nether. Uh, you may have even heard about the literal nether, but he didn't know that he had the power to revoke it. Notice he, he heard about the literal nether, but he doesn't hear anything that's relevant to him because in his mind, he doesn't have an ability to be made for He doesn't know the Torah said that. So then Yafer, what does Yafer mean? So you what I mean? It means that he could revoke it when he eventually is refer, informed that, 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 that he has the ability. And the idea, what's the pshat here? We saw Lam Dasharat. Now what does it mean, B'yom Shama, the day of the hearing? Shmiya doesn't mean the day you hear the literal nether. It means B'yom Shama on the day that a person is aware of the nether in regards to him, what it means to him. So therefore, since he didn't know about the Kach Hafar, the Yom Shama is only later. However, this is the more complex case. And when the day that he heard about the nether, he also was aware that he had the power to be made for nedarim. Generally, but he was unaware that this nether was the type of nether he could be made for. Let's say he didn't know that it fell into the category of Enoi Nafesh or something like that. So here it's a little bit more complex because he's got partial knowledge. He knows that, that he could be made for nedarim, but he doesn't have the full knowledge that this is the type of nether that he could. Rameir Omer Lo Yafer. Rameir says that he cannot be made for the nether. Now, I don't think I did this clear enough yesterday, and it's important as we go into the Gemara today. What does it mean he cannot be made for the nether? So the Rishonim learned that he can never actually be made for it. He's like caught in the following problem. On the day that he hears about it, and he knows about his koach hafar, just he didn't know what applied to here. Rameir holds his partial knowledge, his, 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 his partial knowledge is important. Meaning to say, it's, it's, it's regarded as something distinct from full knowledge. It's not, it's not full knowledge. If he would be made for on the day that he didn't know that his Kaya Khafara led him to, gave him the ability to be made for this nether, so then that, that, that's not considered Yom Shavu. On the other hand, he did have partial knowledge, right? He knew generally about his, his Kaya Khafara, so that restricts him from being made for later as well. It's a very strange phenomenon. Let's just go over this again, one more point, one more time. When Ramir says, Lo Yafer, the point of Lo Yafer is that he can never revoke it because in the beginning, in the beginning when he hears about it, he's got partial, a little bit of a Yadiyah, uh, but he doesn't have a full Yadiyah, so it's not called fully Yom Shomo. However, when he, fi- when he figures out days later that this is the type of Nazi can be made for, that's also not the Yom Shomo. Because he's already he's 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 already had at least some partial knowledge from before. So the point is, Rameir is basically saying that the partial knowledge traps you. It's enough on the first day that that that, that it, it's enough. It's not enough on the first day, rather, to give you the ability to actually be made for because you didn't know that your thing could actually be made for this nether. So it's not enough like a full knowledge for the for how far that you make on day one to go to make the nether go away. On the other hand, it's enough what you had to stop that when you hear later for the next time to be Biyom Shama. So n- neither the day you hear about it nor the day that you realize your mistake will be Biyom Shama. The Chum say you could be made for it. What does it mean the Chum say you could be made for it? So again, big machlokas are showing him. But we're going to go with what the Ran says here. You could be made for it, meaning on the day you heard about the Nadir. Even though the day you heard about it, you weren't aware that your Hafara could be effective on this Nadir. But if for whatever reason he revoked it, it would still be Chal. Meaning the Rabbanans say the fact that you, you know that generally you have a koach hafara, so you have partial knowledge here. Partial knowledge is considered like full knowledge, according to the Rabbanan. So even though you weren't aware that your hafara was going to work on this, it would still work. Because partial knowledge is like full knowledge. And you might ask, why was the guy doing hafara if he didn't think it was going to work? All right, it's a little bit of a kasha for my Maybe she had many nadarim, and, you know, and he said that I wanted to go on all the nadarim that I could. You know, you didn't, didn't get so nitty gritty. The point is the Rabbanan old that mix us idea. Partial knowledge is like full knowledge. So therefore, the hafara that he makes on day one, that's going to be effective. 
So again, Rameir holds partial knowledge is considered different than full knowledge. So here you only have partial knowledge in the day you hear it. That's not like full knowledge for that far you make now on day one is not effective. I be made for later. No, you already had partial knowledge on day one. So the, the later day can't be Yom Shamo. So it's partial knowledge leaves you nowhere. Now Chomo with partial knowledge is like full knowledge. So therefore you could be made for on the day that you originally heard in the, of the, of the, of the nether. So to summarize, Romero's mix as Yedia is not Kechol Yedia. And the Rabbanan say, Mixtus Yediyah is Kechol Yediyah. So, Frek the Gemara, we have a contradiction between our Mishnah and a price about going to Gullah. So, a person kills Bishoyi. They weren't careful enough to check that, the, you know, that no one was going to get hurt from their actions and they killed. So the halacha is they go b'shogeg. The pasuk says, below her o's, they didn't see, meaning they didn't check well enough. Prat l'suma, different rebuke. According to rebuke, that excludes the blind person. What's the, you said rebuke that we exclude the blind, the blind person because a blind person can only, can, can, can only be partially aware of his victim, of the victim's presence. That's the point. He's always going to be partially aware. So the point is, he's not going to have the full knowledge which is required to bring about the penalty. So Rabbi Yehuda, I'm sorry, is being lenient. He's saying the mixed-ass idea of a blind person is not like a full idea, and therefore he's off the hook. He's not as negligent as a regular person. Rabbi Meir Omar, the rabbis, the Summa. No, just the opposite. We include the Summa. The Summa is just as liable for, for his negligence, and he goes. So what's going on here? It's not much the opposite. Reb Meir here, who is including the Summa to go to Gaulis, he's saying that the mixas idea, the partial awareness that the Summa can get, is treated like a full idea. He's just as responsible as a regular person. Even though he only has a mixas idea, he can only get the partial awareness. He can't see as regularly as other people, but he's still liable to Gaulis. Partial awareness is like full awareness. It's Rabbi Yehuda, the Rabbanon, who are saying the inverse. They're saying partial awareness is not like full awareness, and therefore the Summa does not go to Gaulis. So that's the opposite of our Mishnah. Reb Meir and our Mishnah said, that lo yafer, he's never, he's never able to be made for because it's always just a partial thing and that's not like a full thing. The Rabbanu were saying partial is like full, therefore he could be made for on the day that he originally heard it. So they've reversed their, their, their opinions. That's the steerer. So the Gemara answers, Really the truth is everything is just based upon Sukkim. You know, really the Gemara thought that below Ra'os was like a general idea, principles, it makes us idea, not that's why the Gemara wondered why Nidharm is different. The Gemara is answering, it's all just Xeris HaKasotik. Over there by Gullis. It's not a logic that's going on whether you think that the, the, the blind person is, is, is partial awareness is just as severe or not. It's actually more technical in the wording of the language of the possible. Where do we get that from? Before it said the words below were oaths, what did it say? Somebody goes into, his, go into, goes into this forest with a friend, meaning the Torah paints the case for you. It illustrates the scenario of Gullis. Somebody goes with his friend into a forest. So, by saying it that way, the Torah includes, it would sound like anyone who's capable of entering. Or the, the Torah is by illustrating it in those terms, it sounds like from there we're including anyone who can walk in. A blind person is capable of entering the forest. So therefore, it would sound like the, bit, the blind person would be part of the Gullah's thing. So if Lora'os would be inclusive of the Summa, so you'd say the Torah included it already from Asher Yavos Rebiyar, meaning now that I get to the words below Lora'os and I'm trying to figure out what does the Torah mean with that, are we coming to include the Summa or exclude the Summa? If you'd say include the Summa, so you'd say, so you're basically a double inclusion because Asher Yavos Rebiyar was already a very inclusive phrase that was mashma even the Summa who's capable of coming of it. Must be, Elishmami, no, below Lora'os, Prat Summa, must be below Lora'os is used now as exclusion because our Shiavos Reyavir would have implied that we're including the Summa must be below Ra'os is exclusive of the Summa. So it's very interesting. We start off inclusive and that forces us to be exclusive at the end. 
Rabbi Meir Sarva just the opposite. Simply das. What else does it say? He hits him without awareness. What does that mean? Kol devar meida. Sounds like anyone who has awareness. But the blind person doesn't have such awareness. Meaning the lashon bar meida is that you don't know exactly where the person that that you could have been you could have known where the person was exactly, and you just were negligent to find out. That language actually would imply that Asuma's potter because. Only someone who could have the das. Pashtas Azuma can't have the das. So therefore we would say Pashtas, the blind person, would not go to Galatz. We have a below rose Pralazuma. Therefore, when I get to below rose, I'm not going to say that it excludes because I already knew that it was excluded. Must be below rose is coming to include. So basically what's happening is that the dispute below rose, whether we include or exclude, is just depending on what you would think before you got to below rose. It's an interesting thing. Rabbi Meir holds that the words Bivli Das would have, would have excluded the Summa, and Rabbi Yudah holds the, the words would have included the Summa. That now makes that they're going to look at the words below Rose differently. When you get to a general question, you know, abstractly, it makes us idea, when a person hears about a nether and he knows he's capable of being made for a dharma, but he doesn't know about this type of nether, including his abilities. That makes us idea, could he be made for with that? That's a machlaik astam in general. And so our mayor holds makes us idea a lot of so he can't be made for from his partial idea. And he also can't be made for later because he already had the partial one. He gets trapped. He can never be made for. The he could be made for from the mixus idea. And the child is the rabban and old. The mixus idea is kechol idea. Okay. Somebody made a nether that, that his possessions cannot, um, cannot be used in any way that would benefit his son-in-law. So he's offering his possessions on his son-in-law. All right, the classic case, he's got his daughter he wants to take care of. He can't stand the son-in-law. So he's making the nether that his possessions are forbidden to the son-in-law. Now, he starts thinking about it, but wait a second. How am I practically going to get my money to my daughter? Because everything that my daughter owns, the son-in-law can have. Right? And then that's, that's going to be stuck. We're going to be stuck. You can't violate that. We have to make sure that it goes to the daughter in a way that the son-in-law won't get. And he wants to give his daughter money. But remember, what's the halacha? Whatever a woman acquires, her husband usually has rights in. Right? That's generally the halacha. There's always you know, at least the Kenyan payros, right? As we learned in Subos, he always has a right to use his wife, things, so on and so forth. So how's he going to do it? So Omer La, he says to her, I'm giving to you this money as a gift. And only way condition he stipulates that I'm giving you the gift is only if your husband won't have a right. So he's basically superseding with that condition the basic rights that the Rabbanon gave to a husband in marriage. I mean, the Rabbanon, the husband's rights in marriage is that he does have rights to his wife's stuff. Here, the, the gift is being given only on condition, only but tonight, that the person, uh, that, 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 the, that the wife's, property will not become shared with the husband. But then we see in the mission, that's not good enough. He has to add more. And before we even read what he has to add, why is that not good enough? Because we're going to see, we're just foreshadowing what's coming up in the Gemara a little bit. There's a general machlugs in Ramayr and the Rabbanon about the strength over here, uh, about a woman and her husband, the wife and her husband, and the strength that he has to write certain things. By a slave, for example, if a person does that, if a person says, I'm giving the slave a gift only on condition that the master won't have to, this is machlokas. If you say that it goes to the slave and like afterwards there's a secondary point, whatever the slave has, then the master has, you could do that. You could create such a condition. Even though there's a din, whatever the slave owns, the master owns, you could stipulate otherwise, that's fine. But one opinion, Remeir in Mesechus Kedushin says, no, the slave's hand is like gufa that master's hand. It's indivisible. So even with conditions, it can't work. You can not give it or you could give it and it will go to the master. But there's simply an inability to divide between the two and say, oh, I'm going to the slave, but on condition, the master won't get it. That makes no sense. The slave does not have an independent hand. 
If you view it that way, same way in marriage, then it's just not going to be effective. According to Ramir, it's not going to be effective to say, for the father-in-law to say, I'm going to give it to the daughter, but I only on condition the, son doesn't, the son-in-law doesn't get it. She doesn't have an independent hand while she is married. Her hand has to be shared with the husband. It doesn't work. And that's what our Mishnah holds. Our Mishnah follows Rabbi Meir. Therefore, our Mishnah furthers that he has to say more. What does he say? Furthermore, you only acquire it in the moment that it's in your mouth. Meaning he's not giving a gift and saying, oh, you can do whatever you want with it. He's saying as follows. I only want it to become acquired when you put it into your mouth. And therefore, that's going to be work because at that point, he can no longer make a claim to it. It's already put inside of her mouth. And therefore, it's going to work. So the point our Mishnah is saying is that the first condition alone does not suffice to remove the issue. You need the second condition, that she's not even being conan until it's already in her mouth. So therefore, it's only going to work with food because that's the whole technicality. When she puts it, she only conan it in her mouth. When it's in her mouth, it's too late for her husband to get his clothes in it. But let's say it would be something else. Let's say, you know, he's going to say, give her money and say, I want you to go buy clothes. That's not going to work. Right, it's going to be stuck because whatever the moment is that she acquires it, the husband's going to gain the rights. It's very specific to food that's going to work because by food, you could talk of say, show the husband that the father can stipulate, I'm only giving it to you for you to acquire in the moment that it's already in your mouth. Right, but I think the point is you have to say that that's just, uh, she's like an emissary of the father. No, she's not becoming the owner of it. She's, the money is being used. He's saying, I'm giving it to you. I'm giving this to you to buy food. And then that food, when you put it in your mouth, should become acquired to you. It's, it's a little bit forced in the, from what the father is saying. And it comes out, it's very unique to food. Otherwise, it won't work. So, better be that he added the second stipulation, meaning Rav is, is, is holding like the Mishnah. Rav is saying, and this is the way the round learns the Gemara, that, that there's really a background to this, which is that there's a machlokas, Rabbi Meir and the Rabbanon, whether a wife has an independent hand. Again, everyone agrees the Rabbanon were misak and that the husband has rights in her things. But the question is, how strong are the husband's rights? Is it the pshat, the wife has a hand, just there's a secondary point that goes to the husband, or is the pshat, she doesn't have her own hand? The nafkamina is, can someone give her a gift on condition that her husband shouldn't have it? Our Mishnah clearly holds that it's indivisible, she doesn't have her own hand. Rav is coming to say, that's right, we paskin like that Rabbi Meir. Therefore, it's only valid with the second additional point that she's only acquiring it when she puts it in her mouth. If he says, I'm giving you money, do what you want. The husband would acquire it and violate the nether. It's not going to work. would say, No, it's not true. Even if you just have the first condition and he just says, I'm giving it to you on condition the husband doesn't get it. What should you do with it? Whatever you want. The Baal doesn't acquire it. The Ram learns Pshat. Shmuel is saying, we don't hold like Ram we don't pass them like the town of our Mishnah. Yes, true. The town of our Mishnah is like our mayor. She doesn't have an independent hand and therefore the needs the stipulation that he's not acquiring it. She's not acquiring it until it's in her mouth. But we don't hold that way. We all like the other town. We all like the town of the Rabbanon who hold that a woman does have her own independent hand. That's the pshat and what's taking place here. Now, I just want to bring out a kasha here. It's a, it's a difficult Indian. Difficult Marmachimus. But if you think about it, the husband probably wouldn't want to acquire it, and he might not even be able to acquire it. What do I mean? The halacha that is something which is also bahanah has no value to you. You can't own you. Let's say I try to buy, you know, chametz after Pesach, and that's already also bahanah. Something like that. You can't be konet. That doesn't work, right? You know, you can't, it's something which is restricted against, against, against owning. You can't own something you have no benefit from. And definitely here, the husband doesn't want to acquire this because then he's over on the nether, right? So in this scenario, yes, it's true. Stammer Kasha on the entire scenario that we're learning. What's going on? Father wants to give his daughter money, but they made a vow that his son-in-law can't, have, can't, 
can't have any benefit. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't make him that he's the owner. So then, very good, very clear. Why, why doesn't why doesn't it just happen that it's impossible for the for the husband to, to become the owner? First of all, it's also behind him, so he can't acquire it. And B, he probably doesn't want to acquire it. So let that be. It's just the simple the simple solution to all of this. He doesn't. It cannot be a kinyan. What does it sound like? It sounds like if. He gives it to the daughter, and in halacha, there's a din, whatever the daughter owns, the husband has rights in, then there's going to be a transgression in the nether. Why is it transgression? Normally, there's a kinyan. The kinyan has. The kinyan, the baal has. The kinyan pairs. Here, there's not going to be a kinyan pairs because also, no, and some of the baal doesn't want that. Some of the baal doesn't want the kinyan. So it really throws off everything in the whole sugi. It sounds like in the Gemara. No, it's like an automatic thing over here. That, that, that when the, if the rights of the husband still exist, then when he gives it to the daughter, automatically there's going to be a transgression of the nether. I mean, that fashtain, how that is that way? It's a strong question. Okay, let's see now. The Gemara goes through Rav's opinion here. Maskev Rav Zera, come out as Maskev Rav Gera Meir. Obviously, Rav's opinion is like Rav Meir. The Amr Yad Isha Yad Bai. The Rav Meir holds the hand of a wife is exactly like the hand of the husband, meaning she doesn't have an independent hand, even with the stipulation that is given to Rav Manasseh that her husband doesn't have. She can't acquire it automatically. It's built in. Her husband has rights to her hand. Frakti Gemara Minu. So now Frakti Gemara, we have a steer. If Rav really holds, no, just, and just again, the background to that is that Rameir said that by a slave. You have to remember, Rav is extending what his assumptions that Rameir says what he said by, 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 by slave, also to a wife. That is the same point. As wife, by slave. Rameir says that, that, that a slave does not have an independent hand. If I give it to the slave, I'm an ass, that his master doesn't get it. The din is, it still goes to the master. So too by a wife, Rameir looks at it other way. Gemara, we know that's not Rameir Shita. Rameir Shita is that a wife does have an independent hand. Where do we see it? How do you make a shita from the mavi? So let's just give a little bit of background. You have a bunch of chatseros, a bunch of courtyards, and they all, they all jointly go into a closed alleyway. And you want to carry in the closed alleyway in Chavez. The problem is, since they all jointly use it, and they're not, no one's allowed to use it unless they join together in an Erev. What's the pshat? With Rabbanon, they were misakim, even though it's a Rishos HaYachet, a Mavoy. But it's a Rishos HaYachet, which is different than a Chatzar, right? It's like Chatzar is private only for the homes. And then the Mavoy is like uh, the alleyway, which is shared by all the Chatzaras which open in. So to carry, to carry in the Mavoy, to carry from the, the, the Chatzaras to the Mavoy is also unless they all join together in an Erev. That's the concept of Erev. Here it's, it's called the Ishit of Mavoy. So why do they do? The point is that we're going to collect a little bit of food, a little bit of bread from all of the Chatzaras. And it will be, we'll keep it in one chatzar, and it will be considered that everybody's living where the bread is. Everybody's living only where, 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 in one chatzar. Then the pshat is, the, 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 the mavoy is only used by one chatzar. The whole din of, of, of shita mavoy is when multiple chatzeros use the mavoy, then it needs to, to, to then they restrict upon one another. The Erev circumvents that need. The Erev makes that they're all living in the one chatzar where they keep their bread. And since they're all living there, again, it means, not literally, they each stay in their own chatzar, but the person lives where his bread is, so therefore it's considered like everyone is all living in the same chatzar and, and they could care. So what do you do? Here's the issue. If you want to go around collecting from bread from every chatzar, that's great. But let's say there's a bunch of chatzeras and it's annoying, so what do you want to do? You just want to go buy a loaf of bread and, and say some of it is for everybody. That's what you want to do. But the problem is you own it. You're kone. How am I going to make the loaf of bread that I picked up at the supermarket I want to now, I'm incentivized to make a sheet of mavos. What do I have to do? I have to ma- 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 be maknet. I have to make it become owned by a little bit, by, every, by all the chatzeras. How do I do that? What do I do? So if I go around with them and they give them a little bread and become, fine, very good. But I'm just in my own home. What could I do to, to make it owned by all of them? I can't pick it up and say everyone owns it because it's still in my, in my, in my jurisdiction. It's in my hand. How am I making it leave to go to them? So what you want to do is you want to get a third party and you want to be mezaka it 
Right? That's the concept of Zika. You give it to the third party and they say, pick it up on behalf of everybody else. And that works because they're a different hand. They're a different yacht. And they're like almost the, appointed, the, the self-appointed agents to act upon everybody else, fix it up on behalf of everybody. Everybody acquires it. So how do you do this? You take a barrel of wine. This is designated for everybody in the Mavoi, but how do they become the owners? You transfer the ownership of the wine. You could use your Eved, with a slave, a slave of who are Hebrew slaves, because Hebrew slaves are different than Canaanite slaves. You don't automatically own everything they own. They, you might, they might be a slave, but they have their own independent yacht. So that's very good. They could pick it up on behalf of everybody. Or adult children that you have, because again, they have an independent hand. So they're not just an extension of your hand. They could pick it up on behalf of everybody else. Or use a wife. Meaning your wife can pick it up. And you say the wife is a self-appointed agent on behalf of everybody else. If what a wife doesn't have her own hand, even if someone gave her a gift on condition that her husband doesn't have anything in it, the husband still would acquire. Because the vart is that a woman has no, no, has no independent hand. If they're a mayor, really holds that way. So the Erev didn't leave the husband's possessions. As if you can't, be, you can't make it yourself and you pick it off yourself for everybody else. What's the problem? Because it's still in your yacht. You're the owner now. You're not making an acquisition for everybody else. It's still in your hand. You need another hand. You need a third party. So how could a wife act as a third party? That's the question we have. Could you use a wife or not? It should depend on this question. If a mayor, if a mayor holds that a wife does not, it does not have her own independent hand, as Rav understands, Ramayor, just like Ramayor said, a slave doesn't have his own hand. So to a wife, Natasha is, how could a husband use his wife for the Erev? So Amar Rav, Avakavta Ramayor, Yadi, should be at Baila, even though he holds that a wife's hand is like the hand of her husband. Moda Ramayor, he agrees in the case of Shitav is different. Why? Since it's good for the husband, the husband's trying to be mocking it away from himself to everybody else so that you know, he could be carrying. She could acquire it away from her husband's hand. So the Gemara is saying, Alumdish point here. When something comes to her, automatically it goes to the husband. She doesn't have an independent hand. But when the husband is trying to get it away from himself, he could use his wife to push it away. It's an interesting split. Is it, is it automatic? Does she have her own hand or not? So the Gemara is saying when something comes in, she has no hand. Automatically the husband's rights to whatever she has make, make that whatever she is holding automatically is his. Cannot be given on condition that the husband has no, will not have rights. But when the husband himself is trying to push away from his possession, she is independent enough that if he gives it to her, it can be appointed as an agent. That's clearly his desire that it should go away from him through giving it to his wife. That's the split that the Gemara is giving. Now, that's a hard split. And the Gemara is going to slug it up from facts here. Israel, if you know the Ravashi, the price here says, These are the people you could use when you're making Shittim of Oz. This is a different price, huh? I didn't know told them you could use adult children. Hebrew slaves. These are people you cannot use. Minor sons and daughters, right? Because they're supported by you. They're just an extension of your hand. slaves, Because they're obviously whatever they own to you. And you cannot use your wife. Here the price says they can't use your wife. Why not? Must be pshat is. It's going like Rameir. And, 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 and Yad Isha is completely kiyad. Kiad Baila. So now what, what what's basically happening is we're realizing there's still a contradiction between the price and the previous Mishnah. So it's interesting because the Gemara's contradictions are like, like rolling one into the other. Originally we had a Kash on Rav, like is Rav really right that Rameir ever said Yadisha Kiad Baila? Maybe Rameir is only by slavery, not by, not by marriage. Vaharaya, it says black and white that you can use your wife to, to make to be makna for the other residents of the Mubba. So the Gemara explained 
that that's different because you're, when the Baal is pushing it away from him, he could use his wife. But now the Gemara is coming back and saying, no, I have another Brisa that says you cannot use your wife. So wh- wh- what's our line of question here? And Elamai, Elamai what? Elamai, there's not a contradiction between the Mishnah and the Brisa. But if anything, this, this second Brisa actually, even though we have, it's contradicted by the previous Mishnah, we've got to deal with that. But it actually ends up supporting Rav's position. Right? Rav's original assertion was that Rameir Olti had Isha Kiyad Baila. That's actually very much supported here. It ends up having a strong support for the second prize. So that's what happens. But Lamaisa, we have to deal with an internal contradiction now. In the laws of Erev, we have a Mishnah saying you could use your wife. We have a Rav saying you cannot use your wife. So what's the contradiction? Do we say when a husband is pushing away from him, Yad Isha is still Kiyad Baila, the woman has no independent hand to the extent that even if the husband puts it in her hand and says this is for everybody else, it can't work. Or do we say no? Since he's pushing it away from himself, he could use his wife. So the Gemara answers El Amaravashi. Now, just before we read it inside, the, the game plan here is going to be really—it's such a—it's—it's it, 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 it's such a stronghold that the husband has. She has no independent hand whatsoever, and therefore, and therefore, she cannot be a third party. That's really normally the halacha. Normally, the halacha is you cannot use your wife. But the case here, the Mishnah that said you could, the Mishnah that said you could was dealing with a woman who already owned her own courtyard. Now you're going to say, how does a woman ever own her own courtyard? The Teretz is, it could be a scenario where let's say, the, um, the, let's say during the, the act, let's say the husband himself gave the property, everyone agrees that the husband could give a gift to her. Or it could be a case where maybe the husband uh, relinquished his rights during the Arison. He relinquished his rights to get to, to, to that specific property. It could be there are different mahalch and how that happens. But the bottom line is the woman has her own courtyard. Therefore, what? Since she could acquire a portion for herself, Migu, that when the, she could get a portion of the wine, she could also be as a third party, for, act as a third party for other people. So let's just try to understand what's going on. Let's go slow. No matter what we say, even if you had Isha Kiyad Baila, there's no question a husband can give, give a gift to his wife. We don't say that he's not giving a gift because he's just giving it to his other hand. He's taking it in one hand, putting it in the other hand. A lot of the clappy gifts from her husband, she has her own right. That's never the question. The question is always when she is not, either when something comes into her, is it automatic that the husband is going to get rights in it? And even stipulating otherwise won't help. And the other nafkamina is, could she act as a third party? Because could the husband give it to her that she's going to be a third party? to be Mikona for somewhere else. Those are two things that are, are interdependent. But of course, again, of course a husband can give a gift to his wife that will no longer be his. So the Gemara is explaining like this. Really, Yadisha is Kiyad Baila to the extent that anything that comes in, even with a condition, always will go to her husband. And really, Yadisha Kiyad Baila and Stam, the ability to act as a third party, to be Mikona to other people, a woman can't do because it's not distinctly enough away from her husband. However, if she has her own courtyard. So it turns out that the husband is giving her a, a little bit of the wine. Stam is a gift. So in this transaction, partially she's acquiring for herself, we say a new fancy svarah. Since she could acquire a portion for herself in this transaction, she could also acquire a portion for other people. Since in this very transaction that's taking place on the barrel of the wine, some of it is going to her personally, some of it is going, she has a yad in this transaction, Migu, that that's happening, we can add on that she's able to act as a third party, clappy being Kona for other people as well. Stam, when she does not have the courtyard and she's only coming to try to make a transaction for other people, we say she, her hand is, is, is indivisible from her husband. It's not strong enough to be able to do that. But when she has her own courtyard, then it kicks in. So in conclusion, we've settled our Mishnah holds like Rameir. That's why in our Mishnah, the father-in-law and the son-in-law, what's got to be is that he's got to give it 
Almanas, he's got to give it Almanas that the, that, 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 that the son-in-law won't get it. And he also has to stipulate that the daughter's not going in until she puts it in her mouth. That's important going like Rameer. Like Rameer Shita, you cannot use a wife for Shita of Mavos. The one case where Rameer would agree that you could is where she herself is in the courtyard. Then we say, Migu Zachin Afshah, Zachin Namiv Achrini.